A few years ago, I had this lofty idea to make a podcast I called The Way Home, an examination of the different forms of home as a concept and what it means to different people. I had grand plans for it that I never quite executed, mainly because I was a student at the time with little ability to balance my own personal projects with my schoolwork. Another huge reason I never saw this project to completion is that the strong emotions and fascination that drove me to develop it faded faster than I thought they would. I would ruminate on the project and my feverish curiosity about how we ever feel at home anywhere in the face of massive change, and I'd realized that my thoughts didn't really take that tone anymore. So I lost the passion for it and never made it. The words that I wrote for the pilot definitely capture the voice of this era of my life, the few years after my family moved and before I really felt comfortable having left my home behind. So I wanted to share some of them an imprint of a former version of my brain, edited a bit from where I stand now. Part of it is poached from a nonfiction essay I wrote called The Ballad of House and Home, and the rest are some bits that I just squeezed in. So here it is, a bit of a podcast I never made, The Way Home. Music works in tandem with my memory. It triggers phantom emotions within several measures, several notes even. It's not just me, it's kind of biological. To put it one way, our brains store memories in thousands of locked boxes and then mold individual keys for each one with mental cues. One of the best materials to cut these keys from is music. It's got rhythmic structure, repetition, and rhyme creating the unique grooves and edges that open up the boxes and let the things they hold flood your consciousness. I found a lot of those keys the last time I walked through the house I grew up in, which was empty and no longer mine. One on the dining room floor in the shape of You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry, a relic from the Pulp Fiction crossover scene of my dad's famous Godfather spoof where I, a terrified two-year-old, watched my father do the twist in his homemade Vito Corleone costume. A key in the living room resting in the imprint of the large wooden unit that housed the TV, the VCR, and a lifetime of those small home video cassette tapes. It unlocked a dusty old box of a handful of vague memories, my mother playing a Sarah McLachlan CD while she cleaned, and the Christmas she got my dad the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and warned him not to destroy his knees by trying too hard to emulate John Travolta. A key in the shape of brown-eyed girl, hanging from the little window in my old bedroom that never closed all the way, and always required shrink wrap to keep the air out. But the plastic never warded off the guitar riffs from the middle-aged garage band next door, whose very slim set list always included the summary Van Morrison classic, no matter the season. Scattered across my bedroom floor were several keys made from the music I listened to while packing up everything I ever owned in the late spring of my senior year of high school. The Lumineers, Dar Williams, the soundtrack of Newsies. But there was one box heavier than all the others, containing the music of In the Heights, the 2009 musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda. The music tells stories of characters who are struggling with where they are and where they want to be. Vanessa wants to rise above her job at the neighborhood salon and move downtown. Nina doesn't know how to be the bright star her family and community knew after flunking out of her first year at Stanford. And Usnavi is stuck between his late parents' home in the Dominican Republic and the home he's made on the street corner that raised him. I listened to this soundtrack ravenously for the whole year after we moved. It found me at the best and worst time that it could have. It asked me questions that scared me to death. What will I become? Where am I supposed to be? What does it mean to come home, to go home, to be home? I used to get so jealous of Usnavi when I would listen to the finale where, spoiler alert, he realizes he's where he belongs and chooses to stay. I was so envious that with that epiphany, Usnavi could simply skip his flight to the Dominican Republic and stay.
I'd think there is no train to the top of the world for me. I had to take the old blue Kia van to the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains with my dad. On that fateful day in late June 2013, I plugged in my earbuds and turned on the finale as we pulled out for the last time. I thought it might comfort me, but no. My jealousy bubbled and I had to turn it off and listen to something else before we even left the street. I threw that key out the window and left it rattling in the middle of the driveway. In the summer of 2014, my friends Mario, Justin, and his sister, who we call Chief, came to visit me like they did every year after we moved. On the night they got there, we had dinner in Charlottesville, and on the way back to my family's house 20 minutes away, Mario played music as we barreled down the hilly country roads lined with dark trees and reckless deer. We had this vague affection for the song Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros because you can stick any one-syllable word into the spot where home goes and have an instant stupid parody. It came on right as we headed off and we decided to see how many times it played through on repeat by the time we got to my house, to figure out how many homes away from home we were. I am often in a state of brimming with emotion, and riding through the dark with Mario, Chief, and Justin in his car, who we called Screamin' Joe and spent every lunch hour of senior year in. I might have teared up a little back there, despite the dumb joke stunt. It felt just like the night they picked me up at 11 and we rode out to the movie theater just to hate the midnight premiere of The Great Gatsby on a school night, or the countless Wednesdays they drove me home from our favorite Applebee's-hosted pub quiz. It felt even more like the night the summer before, my first away from New Jersey, when the same four of us drove all the way to Virginia after I'd been visiting home. Justin drove the winding country roads for the first time in the dead of night, and we made a wrong turn under a railroad trestle. We turned back out of fear of the dark and unfamiliar, though I know now we could have gone that way and gotten just where we needed to go. It felt like me, in the back seat of Screamin' Joe, driving through the night with my boys and my chief. The way it should be. The way I really missed things being after a whole year of being away from it. The way I knew things would only be every so often for the rest of our lives. We were six and a half homes away from home and very tired of the song Home. We never did that experiment again. I know that feeling when I see it, the overwhelming, undeniable, I'm home. I understand when people say home is where the heart is. Sometimes life doesn't allow you to plant your heart deep in one garden. Sometimes you've got to settle for a shallow hole in the backyard and cover it loosely so that you can dig it up and plant it elsewhere at a moment's notice. I still listen to the finale of In the Heights whenever I know I'm leaving a place for the last time, whether it be a house I lived in or one that a friend is moving out of that held a lot of memories. It's a kind of cruel act of melodrama I inflict on myself to ensure that I don't brush off the significance of the change. I used to give places so much credit for being what a home is. I still do, but I think I've learned a little bit about how to transfer the energy and the love. The last time I walked through the house I grew up in, I locked the door behind me, like letting the lid fall shut on a music box. I don't think I'll ever take that key off my key ring. It's a key to the entire before part of the before and after the move split my life into. I believe the locks have been changed, and I don't even think that key opens the door anymore. Even if it can't, it still changes the song my key ring makes when it jingles in my pocket. A three-part harmony rather than two. The song of the keys to my current house and my family's would be a lot flatter without that third, faint, metallic voice, one that started singing long before the other two even thought to join in. This has been day eight of the February Project, a mini podcast where I'm making an audio piece of 10 minutes or less every day in the month of February 2019. The music in this episode was from the soundtrack of In the Heights and by Poddington Bear.